through this time. We're not stopping. <laughs> no do-overs, Brandon. No. I never need do-overs. Oh. <laughs> this song is an appropriate response to that statement. <laughs> You don't want my I love when Axel does that. This is the most engaged I've seen Walt in the song in like a year. I mean, you finally picked a good song. Are we going to get started? Any day now, Brandon. Welcome, everyone, to episode 115 of the Light Shed Podcast. How much time do we run off that song, Rich Greenfield, and I am Walt Pysik. And I am Brandon Ross. How much time do we run I off am on Brandon that song Ross. intro? I've gotten six, 76 seconds, I think, before he opened his mouth. 76 seconds is, I. that's about what I usually do. Yeah, that's not bad. My I, bad. For I the record... Yes. Walt is extremely impatient because he has That's somewhere true. to be. <laughs> so, true. Um, so we chose a song that Walt loves. He was yes. way into it, but was more impatient than he usually is in getting to the intro. Do you know why? Because it wasn't because loud enough. He's crazy. <laughs> it wasn't loud enough. He's fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Um, so last week's song. We played some Italian songs because oh. because everyone because everyone was in Italy in Italy and then this for week, earnings and then this Maybe. week as a, as a follow on to our music from last week, um, Drahi I think resigned. So oh yeah, coincidence what? I think not. The New Yorkers drove him out of his position. <laughs> he looked around and said, "Look at all these." I mean, they don't really so like Americans in Europe, so that's not well, shocking. Well, it depends where, right? I think there's certain, you know, I think they just in particular don't like me. That that Italians? was Italians. No, no, Italians like me because I think Italians I look everybody. a little bit Italian. The French people do not like me. They do not understand me. They don't like Americans in Paris, but that's a Paris-specific yeah, Paris. thing. No, but they like jazz. Like if they just don't like me for some reason, that's okay. Um, I actually had a better experience there this time. Speaking of travel, the illustrious Joe Galone is on his vacation. In he Puerto finally Rico. took a vacation. I think finally, this guy never takes vacations, right? 
But what's amazing about Joe goes away when he does with former baseball players, because little known fact to our podcast listening audience, but Joe's wife used to be an Eagles cheerleader and many of the other Eagles cheerleaders married players. So Joe is with some former baseball players, including Dan Ugla, who had a really good run of like 30 plus home run years. Um, Joe's wife also married a player. uh, Yeah, he's a player. He's a player. He's a player. We're definitely going off the rails this morning. Why? Why are we going off the rails? We're talking. We're talking a little. We're Joe. talking about the fact that Joe went on vacation, which is a, it's a miracle. Which, he looked. His wife guy, posted it the, on Insta. He looked miserable. We, we couldn't believe it. Plane. Yeah. yeah. He. Yeah. What did I mean? We all saw. We all had the same reaction to that picture. This guy literally had a frown on his face, like. <laughs> Like, he, like five companies just reported earnings. And one of them was like, well, he was about to load. We're going to change plane. the way we report like AT&T does all the time. <laughs> Every time AT&T changes out model. and he has to redo that model. This guy is so angry. It's, inc- it's like incredible. Um, all right. All right Enough, Rick, Joe. Got? Let's go. Oh, Mark. What, what do you got on Mark? Mark came to my house. We, we, you know, when we, when we exited New York city a couple of years ago, all of this stuff from our office got dumped into my basement. So finally some people came over yesterday on the team to clean that shit out of my basement. And, and Mark had Joe got out of it because he was on vacation. Yes, I still have a long ass drive for him. So he's but happy. Mark, Mark had boxes of like protein and creatine and like <laughs> vitamins. Every teen. I mean, the dude's fucking jacked, though. You have to give it to him. He is jacked. But and I and he threw it all out because it was expired by like two months. I mean, who throws out like, I mean, does creatine or whatever that crap is really go bad after being expired for a couple of months? I, I don't know. That'd be a good Thank question. God. But thank you. And I've got a box of shit now that my trash men are going to be thrilled to have to deal with. What do we got on the leadoff tweet, Richard? So, Lead it off. So, look, the Scoop. Lucas Shaw had to scoop uh, at he Netflix. Had to, uh, okay. Better give Lucas no. credit. I mean, he got the scoop. He was. He did Netflix. get the scoop on this one. Netflix selected a. He had another of- scoop earlier in the week that wasn't his scoop, but that's okay. Uh, has selected a partner for its advertising service. It is Microsoft. Um, This is really interesting because, first of all, on the chessboard, nobody had their mark on Microsoft. It was all talk. Everyone was talking about Google. Uh, Everyone was talking for their ad server. They were talking about Freewheel, which is Comcast. They were talking about Trade Desk and that Magnite. And some of these also that have a bunch of different pieces of the ad stack or the ad sales stack such that they could have, you know, been a most of the handled most of um, what Netflix needed. And then little Microsoft, big old Microsoft comes along, Rich. Well, yeah. And remember they bought, they bought Xander, the disaster that was Xander from AT&T. Yes. Right. But they bought it and they clearly bought it for a reason. And and I think there was a lot of speculation that they wanted to go bigger in the advertising business. Obviously, Amazon's blown it out in building an advertising business. I think Microsoft has bigger ambitions. And just think about what this does for Microsoft now. Um, They now potentially are repping the most important 
connected TV inventory exclusively on the market. Like every advertiser in con wants to get a hold of this inventory. And the only place to go for it now is going to be Microsoft. So they immediately jump and leapfrog into the pack with names like Trade Desk and Google, places that they were and free will, places they were never even thought about before. In video advertising Correct. specifically, because Correct. don't forget, there are other parts of the ad business that Microsoft has a real presence in, right? hundred percent. Obviously, they own LinkedIn. Um, they, you know, had search, um, different, different other pieces um, or types of advertising. Now this gives them a chance to go bigger in video. The question really is, why did Netflix choose Microsoft? And well, there's probably a, a whole host of, of reasons. I don't we think, can, no. Can we at least hat tip it to Xander? It's Xander's <laughs> asset, right? Well, listen, I think Xander this, this was cultivated to be at there. AT&T. This was cultivated there. <laughs> well, Microsoft AT&T is just bought, the benefits. AT&T bought what became Xander. I don't care what you're saying. That was the last owner was AT&T. That was clearly what was cultivated. So for all you AT&T haters out there, oh, the media strategy, Always look at, look at what has happened. Look at what has happened. They got a, a massive win. Well done. Well, the reason there's probably a whole bunch of reasons that Netflix chose Microsoft. One is like the the other the others who were out there. Some of them, like an NBCU, also had a competitive streaming service. Number sure. one. Number two. Is, I don't think that was the reason. It sounds no. I'm I'm giving little building blocks. It sounds like Microsoft was willing to give the most upfront money, um, which should help Netflix. You know, or the biggest guarantees, which should help Netflix beat numbers. Well, let's um, let's stop there for a second. Three, okay. okay. I'll no, let, no, you can finish. You finish, I and I'll to, circle back. I need to do my one, my ones, my twos, and my three. Okay, you you finish, and then I'll jump in. It sounds like they were willing to also be more flexible because Netflix is going to at some point want to take parts of this, um, you know, into an owned and operated situation or had the idea that they might and Microsoft is willing to uh, to look there. And then number four is Reed has always been very, very close with Microsoft. Um, he was on the board for a long time. I remember the first time that we had a meeting with with Reed, both of us. Um, he had his ThinkPad in there and his Microsoft phone, his like Windows phone. And Rich was making fun of him because everyone, you know, obviously used Apple products. And he's like, what do you want me to do? I'm, I'm on the Microsoft board. I, I need to rep. So a, a position he did leave in 2012, though. And then there's there's possible extensions of this deal when you work with a Microsoft. There's things that could be done on the video game front. Um, number one, especially as Microsoft. We have another one, two, and three. This is the second one, two, and three. Uh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm falling asleep on it. I'm, I'm is, falling asleep is, on his one, two, and really going along. And, and as you I mean, how about just bullet points? Okay. That's yeah, it. but how about like, let's just think one, about this simply. You, let's I, just distill like this to down. do ones, twos, and threes because that's how I think. I, I think no, that's yeah. fine, but that was two sets of one, two, and three. So that's technically four, five, and six. All right, all right, all right. On to seven, eight, and nine. Yeah, obviously. I need a fucking I, whiteboard. Rich tried around. to interject there, but you just kept going. I was I just kept going. A new number. All right, all right, all right. I thought right, he was right. going to go to ABC soon, like as <laughs> sub bullets. Like I did. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. So I, two I things. Threw a lot I, out there. Let's. No, no, I'm going to go ahead. I'm just going to do two things. 
huge minimum guarantee, probably north of a billion dollars, way like to the point where Comcast Freewheel couldn't even compete. Google didn't even want to go that high. So Microsoft comes in with a blowout bid because this transforms Microsoft's business. And I suspect another piece of this, to your point, Brandon, on Azure, there is probably a meaningful discount or some part of this that gives Netflix a break on cost because obviously they use a lot of cloud services. And so this is a place where Microsoft in a bold bid to leapfrog into the advertising business is putting up big numbers on both sides of their business that helps Netflix. And I think the funny thing is Netflix stock really hasn't reacted to this in terms of how meaningful the, the minimum guarantees could be for a product that hasn't even launched yet. But this could be, if you think about a huge minimum guarantee for 2023, this could be pretty significant for Netflix. And I don't think investors from an are earning, from, an, from an earnings perspective. Purely from an earnings standpoint. I so. still think, you know, when you look at a Netflix, the, like most companies, most of the value has been in the terminal value, sure. right? And the question is, does this change the ultimate size of the overall ad opportunity that is sitting in the terminal value? Well, hold on for a second. Can I interject here? Sure. Netflix was mostly valued on the terminal value when it was 80% higher. So now that this stock has gotten destroyed, yeah, maybe, this, maybe this is more yeah. meaningful to the to whatever shareholders are left in this thing. Right. Agreed. No, because the multiple does start to look. I mean, it already compelling. was looking no, pretty, I'm just saying, pretty depressed. You've That's a great point, Walt. You've, you've transitioned yeah, to the 10-year bullshit stock. hockey stick to yeah. like, show me the money now. So sort of related to this, we've got Sarah Fisher who... Um, on Tuesday, broke some news that Disney's inked a major advertising deal with Trade Desk, uh, which is interesting, um, you know, because obviously Trade Desk it, it seems sort of uh, disadvantaged or hurt by the the Netflix Microsoft news. Getting a deal with Disney is good, certainly a positive. Um, Disney Plus is launching advertising later this year as well. The only thing that I think investors are not talking enough about is the fact that Disney Plus has very little viewership. You know, the, the reason Netflix and Microsoft and the reason Microsoft was willing to put up such a huge number is Netflix is literally 30 percent of connected TV time spent. Obviously, none of that is advertising supported today, but it's a huge amount of time. Disney has a large number of subscribers domestically and around the world, but has very little time spent on Disney Plus. Like it's under four percent of time spent on connected TVs. And so even as you bring in advertising, it's a small number and a lot of them are probably kids. And so I'm not dismissing sort of the, the trade desk Disney relationship. It'll, you know, it's just a matter of the reality is the, the numbers of time spent probably doesn't make it mean that much on a dollar basis relative to the potential of what the Microsoft Netflix relationship could mean over time. And I don't know how Hulu fits into this at all. You know, because I don't know why Hulu needs Trade Desk at all. And that's something that I haven't really seen anyone really talk about, but it seems like Hulu ha sort of already has a lot of these relationships. I'm not really sure what Trade Desk, how that really fits in. I have a, I have a question for you. The I think on Netflix, when I watch it, it continually cues the next show over and over and over and over and over. Does Disney do the same thing? I just wonder if, does that impact how whoever's measuring the time spent on a connected TV, like am I, after I'm done a series, does it stop or does it load you into a new series? Or it's possible someone's Netflix is effectively in the background because of technically how it continues to load new content. Am I, I don't know the answer. I'd have to go back and check to my TV. I don't, I don't know whether Disney automatically loads. I mean, obviously 
they're disadvantaged because they put up one episode a week uh, rather than, right right so the, so the binging aspect of it actually the binging aspect of Netflix allows you to kind of stay on there more as opposed to yeah Dude, it's a it's a huge I think it's what investors don't really fully understand like you come in for one episode of obi-wan and then you physically leave Disney plus to go someplace else because there's nothing else you want to do right, where in Netflix if you get done a show, then maybe you go to the next show and then binge the 20 episodes from that. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a huge difference when you think, again, it doesn't matter for subscribers as much. That's content scale. It's also a strategy for advertising. For advertising, yeah, for advertising, obviously. But it also helps with retention because it's time spent. And time spent has always been very um, nicely correlated with retention. I just think it's this whole advertising topic and nobody is talking about time spent. It is completely, yeah, Oh, they have so many, which, which is, ev- which is everything. In I know, but it's just, but it's just <laughs> funny much. that it's just, it's not the conversation people are having. They're just like, yeah. Oh my God, they have all these subs. Yeah. Right. So Disney, your point on Disney is Brandon, that who cares about the quality mm-hmm. of the content? Like if there's just not enough of it, like, where do you go next? Like you can't build up enough time spent to, yeah. Good yeah, point. I mean, it's, it, it's, literally perfectly core, not perfectly yep. correlated to the amount of hours yeah. that, that you're watching because how many ads per hour and then how many hours? Well, Zaz has got a lot of and content. What's the so CPM? theoretically he should that's be able it. to do a good um, ad business if you wanted to. Well, speaking of Zaz, that's oh, a perfect God. transition. Thank you for that. You definitely knew that was coming. Um, Lucas had a story that um, I, I will, he, he broke it. I was wanted to break it. I'm sort of annoyed. Uh, he beat me to it. Uh, but but you had it. it first, Rich. I did. I did. Well, who knows when he got it? But I mean, to be fair, but Scooplet, Warner Brothers Discovery wants to bring HBO Max back to Amazon's channels program. The two sides are negotiating could close a new deal this year. Remember, HBO lost about five million subs. I think he's about a million too high on that. But um, after they left the Amazon channels program, what is going on here is, um, first of all, I think the my guess is that there's a lot of pressure on Warner Brothers Discovery. I think they're going to come out and blame AT&T, Walt. Like, I think they're going to just basically say, hey, AT&T screwed us. They ran yeah, this why poorly. Not? Like, they're going to literally say that the reason numbers aren't, be, you know, despite the economy getting worse, like, I think they're just going to blame AT&T for everything. Like, you know, take down numbers and mm-hmm. sort of blame it on them. But then I think they're going to try to do something to sort of say to investors, hey, we've got great news. We've just signed a massive deal with Amazon. And not only are we coming back to Amazon channels where you no longer need to use the HBO Max app to watch our content. And on, you know, you don't need that, but you can also, my guess is do a catalog deal where you'll be able to watch catalog Warner Media, Warner Brothers content, maybe even HBO content inside of Prime Video without an HBO Max subscription. So if you remember years ago, there was like Sopranos and Sex in the City used to be on Amazon Prime. You didn't need an HBO subscription. I wouldn't be surprised to see that. It's hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars uh, potentially available. High margin, obviously, it sort of reduces your focus on D to C and makes you more of a wholesaler. But I wouldn't be surprised given the pressure of leverage that is on Warner Brothers Discovery, I wouldn't be surprised to see them do something like that. It's just kind of a, everything that Jason did is now kind of being erased. Correct. 
Well, it's funny. I remember when we sat with Bucus, Brandon, and we sort of debated some of these things in his office. No, I remember um, that was the last major meeting we did with him when he yeah. took it, when he took out the book on the history of the Warner Brothers studio. Yep. And it was all sentimental. Yeah. But but if you remember that, you know, there were things that the company did that were done purely to not goose, but to push up cash flow, knowing they were selling the company, 100%. not the strategic yeah. decisions they wanted yeah. to make or knew they should make. And and so that's where it gets interesting is, are these the right strategic decisions for WBD? Or are they just doing what they need to do because they're too levered in a time when the economic environment is going to put a lot of pressure on their business? Well, the question is with the DTC, and you could run a little not a full parallel, but a little bit of parallel to um, WWE. What they realized was that they were really good at creating content, and we can, you know, argue how good later later on. Um, but they weren't good at direct to consumer, at customer acquisition, at taking the data that they got and and coming to useful conclusions with it, such that they could. Um, use it for either marketing or for um, uh, con- content decision making, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe Zaz is just like, we, we just don't do the things well that are required to have a big DTC business on our own. And we need a partner in addition to everything else. And it's just right. like, swip, you know, do what you're good at. What's look, our core I know- competency? I can already know what they're going to push back on us saying, oh, but we're getting lots of data from Amazon. We've got a special deal. We're getting more data. To your point, do they even know what to do with the data? I think is fair. That's one. And then two, even if they're getting lots of data, let's just be clear. Amazon gets all the data. So like whatever they piece out, Amazon's getting it. And Amazon has a completely competitive platform where Amazon's building a service and knows everything an HBO viewer is watching and doing. So we'll see. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a deal with the devil. Um, but you've seen this: the need to take on partners who are better. Walter positioned. is grimacing at us. He is not. He's not a buyer of this. So push back. I, I, I think. I think my view is his is being is is changing on Amazon Prime, meaning that. Um, while you're right, the history of Amazon would be like they're like their shops, like sell shit on our platform and then we'll define what's good and then and then do it better than you. I actually think it's 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 more of Amazon wants to put stuff in prime to continue to keep that sticky and expand that base on a global basis. So you're bringing HBO in as a channel, perhaps just to strengthen that as opposed to creating Amazon Prime is something that you would ever try and sell separately. And I think there was an announcement earlier this week about something else that they put into Prime, um, which is our next tweet, which is from The Verge, Amazon Prime subscribers now get Grubhub Plus free for a year. So for those of you that are out there, you have to activate this. If you're, we all have, I think not all, but I think a lot of people have Prime. If you want to get free delivery, you can get it free for a year from Amazon. To me, this is Similar, but not ex- exactly the same as what we've talked about in terms of the telcos, where you're trying to get people to pay more money and be stickier by giving them more stuff. I think Amazon Prime, to me, is the same type of thing. Add more shit into Prime that you get more value. Yeah, of course. And then jack and then jack the price. But my point on that, Brandon, is like you, the HBO channels is not about getting the data to learn to right. 
stuff that HBO is doing necessarily. It's just making Prime more valuable so you can increase price and get more customers. But that's it's that's Amazon channels also. Um, so that's the a la carte piece of it. Mm-hmm. It is not the part where it comes free true. in a bundle. That's now, true. they're on a separate deal, right? If you want to go back to you know the olden days, so to speak, some of the content of some of the original series on HBO was licensed into Prime. Yeah. So that's so you're dealing with kind of like two separate true um concepts that may be related depending on the scope of of the larger deal well um, i was just gonna that, say that, you're right that's 100 percent fair in that like you're not as the prime customer this hbo deal is not incremental value you're getting no. as a prime customer no 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 no, no. i just I, I guess my point is i'm gonna modify my point so i take that back my, my point though is like i just don't know it doesn't seem to me that they're trying to create prime um, the video prime video as something to sell separately. I think that's always going to no, be No, it's part. it's always been part, it, of course. It's always been part of the bundle. And you know, now they're leaning in a little harder also on the AVOD side. So incremental data to, you know, price content acquisition for that is probably also helpful. So so, um, the, so the thing that I though that I push back on historically is the willingness or the interest of Amazon to potentially include a, a lower cost wireless service into their prime offering, where as you kind of think what about- What does lower cost mean? Like what, what how entry low level, that- like what, like for example, this week, um, Verizon has an entry level unlimited plan for 30 bucks a month per line. And how so much they, does that get you? Like how many, is that like minutes capped or like what is there? Limited, there's probably some capping at some gigabit level, but it's probably enough for- I mean, you don't get 5G UC, but like, who gives a fuck about like the fa- faster speed 5G for many for many people? So, um, I don't know. Maybe Amazon comes with a twenty dollar plan, and they can cut some deal with their partner with Dish and offload some of that traffic. So that would be I, an MVNO, one hundred percent an MVNO. Okay. Yeah, they're not going to start. <laughs> I don't. Building, I know. Right? I would never suggest that Amazon is going to buy Dish or buy T-Mobile or okay. something like that. But an MVNO or just a branded service with an existing carrier, something, but just to add value to those to those prime customers that care about value, because maybe that's a segment market segment that hasn't necessarily subscribed. Like for us, like I get shit delivered to my house every week, but other people that don't, they might need other things to get them into that prime ecosystem. Then you get them hooked on the drug of the of the shipping, and it's it's a great kind of flywheel, as you would call well, it, Brandon. It, 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 you know, look. Um, Amazon is certainly spending a lot of money on Prime Video, on original content for it. I don't sure. think and any of us are watching a lot of it. Um, I mean, Amazing. people, yeah, and look, The Boys gets very good critical feedback. There's no doubt about it. And look, The Lord of the Rings is coming, and so is Thursday Night Football. So there is much bigger stuff coming. But I thought it was interesting in the Emmy nominations this week, you know, despite all of that money being spent by Amazon, they're probably the second largest spender on original programming for streaming. And, you know, they're dwarfed by HBO, Netflix, Hulu, Apple TV. I mean, even Apple TV Plus, which makes very few shows in the scheme of things relative to Amazon, is crushing them on Emmy nominations. And not that Emmy nominations are the be all end all. No, of course. But I just, thought it, but I just thought it was interesting in sort of the scale at which Apple is rising and how Amazon 
you know, has really not. I mean, the fact that Amazon's sort of sitting there, sort of in line with the broadcast networks, just sort of made me laugh. Right, but on, I think the focus to getting going back to what we we're just talking about is maybe adding other diversity of things. Right. All the stuff that we talk, and you guys talking about Netflix out in gaming. And look, I'll make a prediction. I think there's a there's a decent shot that maybe Amazon, you have Prime, and then maybe you have Prime Plus. And they just like they have different mm. layers, oh. and you and you have different services that Ooh. you can pick. From. They could go good, better, best on it. Right. Is that a twenty? Is that is that a top twenty three for twenty three prediction? I mean, we, actually, we as the words were as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was thinking to <laughs> myself like, "Holy shit! I hope they don't already have this." And Brandon's gonna be like, "You idiot! They already." <laughs> no, I don't think they do. They don't. Uh, listen, uh, just the since you had the Emmys up, interesting to think about this sort of quality amount of quality generated per dollar spent now i know quality isn't everything and some of the biggest things um you know the, the most watched content isn't what we would call quality but hbo um you know way more limited budget than netflix yet you know significantly more emmy nominations and then you see apple tv plus you know all the way up there with 51 despite a pretty minuscule relative budget to other players in here and you see that apple tv plus has been following that hbo playbook unsurprising because they are partnered with richard plepler um and david ellison others who are very very focused um on on high quality um but you know uh just going for just curated, great, great content. Um, so I, Netflix for, you know, everything, all the viewership that they get probably should at least have a, I don't know if it's a separate division or something that takes like X billion dollars and just really focuses um on, on high quality content as well. I don't think it's just the quality of the content though. I also think a piece of this, Brandon, is the marketing. There's been some very good content that's come out of Netflix that I don't think they've done a great job of, of marketing. Interesting. And I think, I mean, I do on, think wasn't that Brandon marketing, just traveling and there was like some Stranger Things store? Didn't they market the shit out of Stranger Things? Stra yeah, they um, did stranger, stranger Things, they did an incredible job with. Okay. I'm saying, and, and, so they know how to market. and it's paying dividends. Right. Well, okay. so they know how to just, do it. Just for the record, though, they have been through, you know, some turnover in the CMO ranks and they've made some yeah, three um, very poor hires. Yeah, they've made some poor hires not to trash on anyone or Boz, some Boz sucked. OK, okay. she okay. was not a good fit for the organization. Yes, Rich. Um, on to the next one. I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Okay, let's move on to the next slide. We've got uh, a little. Right we've got a little T-Mobile, Walt. Rich, this is from Fierce Wireless. Um, T-Mobile axes hashtag job. I don't know why they had a hashtag jobs, but I guess that's part of the recession outlook as part of quote unquote organizational shifts. You know, there were some rumors about this stuff last week, but there was in this story, um, T-Mobile didn't say how many but they did affirm that they made cuts and i just think it's it's important it's funny that they actually did hashtag jobs because on our quarterly earnings call we're now tracking the use of the word recession i would suspect that it's going to go up materially in the upcoming quarter that's going to report but you know two weeks ago i wrote this report rich about how wireless operators were struggling to grow revenue and that 
the cost cutting was on the way. And this was one of the three or four categories that we identified yep. that were, that was going to be cost, cost cutting. So T-Mobile follows through on schedule with some cost cutting. Is there another side to this though, that as you cut stores, and I remember the piece you wrote of how many, how many activations happened in a store, which was surprising to well, me. I don't like know just- if they're cutting stores, but that would even be more ironic because the current CEO of T-Mobile, Mike Sievert, um, basically we had this manifesto years ago about how bricks and mortar was here to stay. Right, and I then remember on that. top of that, they made an announcement about increasing stores. And I like trolled him on Twitter a bit. I mean, I tweeted at him. So it wasn't really a troll being like, Hey, you should repost your manifesto about, you know, bricks and mortar stores. He didn't respond. So, so I'm not sure that they're necessarily, well, I don't know where they're firing people because we'll find it, find out about it, but that would be fucking total bullshit. If on one hand you're saying like, yeah, we're growing our stores. On the other hand, like closing a shit ton of other stores. Like if you, I want you to go to the next tweet though. This was from friend of light shed, Jeff Moore, who was a former sprint employee, I think in the corporate development group, he now has his own firm <laughs> wave seven research saying, this quote, is why you got to watch by the way, hearing, you don't well, first, first picture. I'll read the text. Then I'll describe what we're looking at. Hearing that many retail associate managers and market development managers were market development managers were let go. I think these are the last fumes of quote unquote synergies from Timo's view. Disproportionate impact to Sprint veterans. Some very experienced people lost their jobs. Good report from Monica Levin, who's I think the fierce person. Two things here. One, they just shut off the CDMA network. So if you really want to be cynical, you could say like they held on to these Sprint people to manage the sprint network. And as soon as they shut the sprint network off, they're going to punt most of these sprint people and go back to what was a superior, clearly T-Mobile culture. Second, on, on the job on the job front in terms of cutting fr- uh, jobs. I love that you're using numbers, by the way. It's really Thank you. Helpful. Letter B, for those <laughs> on the podcast, I have a picture of former President Donald Trump with Chairman Matan uh, in the lobby of the Trump Tower, holding up a sign saying, promising 50,000 jobs to get this. I, I, I hate to tell you, Walter, but I just have to call out to our podcast listeners. Your Starlink just uh, fuzzed a little bit. Yeah, I didn't know. I couldn't, I couldn't well, hear I hate to tell saying. you this, Rich, but it was my Wi-Fi. I specifically switched oh, to Wi-Fi because I just baited okay. and switched you. Ooh. Basically, what you have so here, you just though, got owned. What I, you, I'll describe the picture. Basically, you have this valley, and then there's these unicorns that are jumping over the valley and flying no that's not the picture (laughs) i know it's not (laughs) it's it's former president trump (laughs) with masa in the trump tower lobby where masa is promising fifty thousand jobs um in order and they made promises to the government by the way there's another thing on that i like that it literally says a line it says commit to and it literally has it all bullet thousand jobs yeah the second part of that by the way you see foxconn's logo on there so oh, wait, Fox, hold on. Let me go back. Hold no, on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You don't have to go yeah. back. There's Foxconn. Part of the part of this was Foxconn also promised manufacturing thing. They did a they did a deal with um governor uh in Wisconsin with then Governor Scott Walker. They were going to get four billion dollars in tax credits. There was a great podcast by Neil Patel. I know we're not necessarily huge fans of him, but he interviewed the guy that was running. Foxconn's Wisconsin project. It was a complete joke. Like they never did anything that they promised as, as part of this thing that that Scott Scott Walker has subsequently bounced. I think in part because of this, 
that it did not create anywhere near the jobs um, that, that were promised in that thing. But if, for those that are interested, it's a fascinating thing. And this guy was basically like, oh, I can't really talk about that. Like, oh, yes, there was people there. And Neil is like, no, we had reporters peering in the windows of your offices and there was no one there. <laughs> and the guy's like, oh, I'm going to write about that in my next book. And I think the University of Wisconsin actually employs this guy. This guy. So far, I know we have a lot of people on Wall Street that went to Wisconsin. Uh-huh. Maybe write a letter to your alumni yeah, that- rep and say, how are you employing this guy at the University of Wisconsin? His name is Alan Young, if you need his specifics. Anyway, ranch over. Love it. Love it. Jobs Love promised, it. jobs not delivered. Isn't that what all politicians sort of do? They, they get people sure, to say things. This, they get people to just, say things that never happened. I mean, egregious I mean, I, on both yeah, way, on both counts. And now the sprint the sprint employees that got sent over, according to uh, Wave Seven Research, are the ones that are getting the axe onto the streamable. Um, we are really happy about this next slide. The streamable has uh, a, this YouTube TV hits five million subscribers, becomes the largest live TV streaming service. And I, I, the reason I say I'm happy about this is. Brandon and I specifically have had a very long held view that this is by far the best interface and user experience um, for watching um, multi-channel television. And it's just, you know, I think it's sort of interesting to see that, you know, Google One has stuck with it, that they didn't just give up on this product. So it went pretty slow for a while. Now you're seeing sort of everyone else in the in the market sort of slow down, certainly spending less. You don't see nearly as much Hulu live marketing anymore. Um, and Google just keeps growing slowly but surely. And like five million subs, they're now, you know, I mean, they're they're a pretty meaningful um, MVP. What number, what number are they in um, size? Like four th- or five at this point? I think they would be number four right now. Yeah. I mean, I think that would put them right around four or five. Yeah, or right around there. Charter Comcast Cox. Yeah, I don't know where's I don't know or where Altice? where's Altice? Well, remember you got DirecTV still. Oh, DirecTV and you still have the okay. two satellite so companies. Sta- so five. You'd have five. You'd probably be yeah. number five. Probably be the fifth large. You're definitely larger than Cox at I this think, point. What's interesting about YouTube TV though is Google doesn't do a lot of promotion, right? Um, for for their products, a lot of like a shit ton of advertising, etc. And they really have continuously done so for YouTube TV, despite all the challenges to the industry that we talk about. It has been in um, an initiative that they have really continued to care about. Now, in the scheme of Google, does it matter financially? Probably, you know, not that much. Um, But I think it's all about getting, I mean, I mean, I think what people forget is YouTube, YouTube, like just the, yep. you know, YouTube is 20% of connected time spent. TV, yeah. And part of that is YouTube TV and in, in that overall 20% of, of connected TV. But if you think about it on ad supported, remember, there's no ad, ads on Netflix today. So when you think about share of ad supported connected television, Google's probably 45%, you know, probably pretty close to half of all ad dollars spent on connected TV flow through YouTube slash YouTube TV. And so I think that's why this is so important is I think they just want to gain greater and greater power on the connected TV side. Yep. And this is just a way to bring in, you know, high quality premium programming and advertisers into that funnel. So it makes a ton they, of sense. I also think they've done a they've done a good job at partnering with the broadband providers that no longer want to be a part of 
the profitless pay TV um, world. I mean, if you look at Verizon, yep. they don't put a nickel into Fios TV. If you have Verizon, you should not be using them for TV. They don't want you. They want you. They to don't market TV. it anymore. I think Chet at Starry, I'm, I'm, I, they don't do any video. I think this is what they tell their customers. Hey, you can get this in terms of, of video. So like, it's, it's, it's an obvious partnership with some of these broadband guys. You want to talk a little broadband raw? <laughs> did I did I pixel out again? A little bit. A little bit. I mean, your Starlink was better last week. We can pause and I can plug in. No, I can plug no, in fine. direct. I'm just that's using fine. Wi-Fi off my hotspot. But okay, go with, I'm going to read. I'm going to read this slide bottom up because that's kind of how it makes sense. Um, starting with, there was a memo within USA Network that went out this morning regarding WWE Raw changing to TV 14 on July 18th. Apparently, that was sent out prematurely, and the day was not finalized. So that would have been in three days from now. And then here's another from Cage Side. It sounds like WWE Raw is actually staying PG for now. And then another one, there's a wild situation. There's a lot happening behind the scenes. WWE Raw won't be going to TV 14 on July 18th, but still in consideration for a later date. So why would WWE want to go from PG, and they've spent years um, trying to market themselves as being really family-friendly programming, I think expressly for the reason of getting um, driving higher CPMs for their partners. I think that was a big part of it. But now a couple of things are, are happening. One is your largest competitor. Here's your one, two, three. Your, large, your largest competitor currently is AEW, who is able to kind of have edgier content because they is are, it actually edgier yeah i, I yes. mean when you say that it meaningfully edgier, more like more you, more physical more blood yeah meaningfully, like n- yes. no nobody would be confused by that comparison like no you, any no ab- no no absolutely not okay um so you have that number two is you have wwe going into these uh, renegotiations on Raw and SmackDown rights. Over the last X number of years, you've really seen um, ratings come down very, very significantly. Obviously, part of that is the you know television ecosystem, but part of that is also uh, creative problems. So to the extent that you want to goose ratings into your renewal, um, perhaps that makes sense. And number three is you have this issue ongoing with Vince where, you know, for potential ad partners and other, you know, uh, television uh, partners, you have a, um, you know, an issue in terms of uh, a non-family friendly issue. How about I put it that way anyway? And by the way, since that happened with Vince, TV ratings have gone up pretty meaningfully. Um, so the audience is really rallying around Vince in in um, in what's happened. So maybe they just want to, you know, lean into all of it and uh, maybe try and return to the attitude error. The question is, can they execute like they did in the attitude error? And I, I don't know, because the writing obviously has to be there and you're going to probably have the same writers writing this uh, this programming. One side note before you react, 
Okay. I know I keep talking and talking. Ratings this year actually, you know, have shown a bottoming um, for WWE. I think um, Raw is down, you know, low single digits year over year, year to date, obviously helped by the recent um, Vince stuff and SmackDown up actually a couple uh, hundred bips year over year. So when it bleeds, it leads. I mean, it works in news. I, I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just think, I mean, you know, look, when you're trying to reinvigorate, it makes a lot of sense. I don't think there's, you know, I mean, whether it works, I don't know, yeah. but it certainly understand the concept of trying to push the envelope, especially in a TV universe where, um, you know, everyone you need is struggling. To stand, yeah. You need to stand out. I mean, the question is how do ad partners feel about that well, that's and, a great how point. To, and how to network partners um, feel about that? And does it not matter anymore because you have this Vince stuff going on anyway? So, again, may as well lean into it. I try not to watch linear TV anyway. So, <laughs> so we've got because, um, it can, because it conflicts with your thesis on the industry. I try um, not to. I try not to. <laughs> Hold me back. Well, you should Actually, be saying there's nothing to watch. You, there's nothing to watch. If, if you, you really want to be sports, I do. I mean, if you want to be bearish, you should say, I try to I try to watch it, but I can't because there's just nothing on that I want to watch. That's what you should be saying. Okay, fine. Dom from Dom's Playing. Unity and Iron Source announced merger plans. All stock transaction values, the Tel Aviv-based Iron Source at $4.4 billion. Creates a unique end-to-end platform that allows creators to create, publish, run, monetize, and grow live games and RT3D content seamlessly. Expected to close in Q4. Uh, Unity stock went down 11%. I think Unity is now down almost 80% year to date. Um, you know, I think they're clearly trying to create a more integrated solution for advertising and game development and um, app marketing, which is sort of what the App Lovin story has been yeah. about. Remember, App Lovin bought MoPub earlier in the year from Twitter. Uh, all of these companies are trying. It's funny. All these companies well, sort game of develop, game development is coming out of. Well, App or Lovin. maybe. Right. Yeah. But I think what's funny is all of these companies are billing themselves as software companies, right? They all wanted to be valued like software companies. And whether it's AppLovin or Unity, they're all struggling because they're it's essentially- fucking ad tech businesses. That's what they are. Yeah. We always knew like that is most of Unity's value, despite the fact that they do have, you know- the game engine. Mobile, at least the, like the, the biggest game engine. Um, but yeah, all the dollars- are advertising and again we they're just pushing harder into that to compete with apple oven well especially when you've got idfa and sort of the challenges of marketing in a mobile world so i get it i think that the challenge is you know and obviously you know there's questions of what does this mean for apple oven but the, the reality is this category has just been under so much pressure following apple's move so just another example of sort of how apple is affecting this whole universe um, I think the we should go M&A. Yeah. And I think just it's, it segues right there. We should go right into the next slide. Stay on Amazon. I'm going to audible sure. a little bit, Brandon. Why don't you just stick on this theme? Uh, for a modest proposal, rising customer acquisition costs in part due to IDFA is pushing DTC brands that historically resisted to launch on Amazon. Well, if you can't market, then you got to uh, fish where the fish are. <laughs> which is on Amazon and market. I assume you spend that and, marketing and dollars on market. Amazon. Yes. And the marketing is going to be, you know, much more efficient on the Amazon platform where they have all the first party data. Now, what is 
interesting and people forget about is all of these kind of challenges have helped to fuel um, Amazon to be an even bigger ad business um, than it already was, which I think is upwards of $30 billion, which would put them third at this point behind, obviously, Google and the company formerly known as Facebook. (laughs) That was well done. Um, it just shows the challenges of being on the open web. And, you know, we just see how Apple's changes have had such profound changes on the universe. And in many ways, though, the, 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 the end result is the bigger getting bigger. You know, Apple certainly has gotten stronger from this. Yeah, Amazon's it, getting stronger. Right, right. Well, they, Apple wanted to neuter, <laughs> clearly wanted to neuter uh, meta. Meta, meta, Facebook meta, whatever. Um, but they are actually empowering <laughs> Amazon. Um, in the process. One of the most interesting slides that came out, um, this was, Walt found this. Um, this was, um, how do I say his name, Walt? Uh, Brian Rommel. Brian Rommel. Is it? Is that um, how you pronounce it? That's what he said. So the, Romelli, the, Rommel. But, but what's so interesting about this, and it ties to a lot of what we've been talking about on the podcast over the last six months is the largest discount for Amazon Prime Day. And what stood out more than anything else is that Amazon's Fire TV, the actual television that I have sitting in the back of my office here, that the largest discount was on that Amazon Fire TV. It was an almost an 80% discount, 416 or 470 effectively down to $100, which you know we've been sort of talking about sort of the risk to... Um, Roku, which is obviously, you know, their embedded TV OS is such a critical part of the Roku story. Seeing Amazon just this aggressive, and it wasn't just their Amazon TV, it was the Insignia Fire TV was the second largest discount, and the Fire Stick was the number three. So just the, the, the percentage discounts were just so large on these, these Amazon Fire devices. Um, I just, you know, A, obviously it's good for connected TV sales, I'm sure, but it's certainly from a market share standpoint, um, probably not a good sign for Roku, probably not a good sign for Vizio either. I've got one question on this. The city was the one that that was the source for this. Why is it that Joe Galone does not, has not created a similar tracking thing where he's looked at every single product on the prime discount and then ranked them in this order? I mean, I mean the way you- the way to really do this is you gotta write a little piece of software to scrape, oh. um, to scrape Amazon and and do the work for you. Little known fact is I used to cover what hardline retailers, um, but and so did you write those? You write that the code? Media world. No, I used to fucking do it by hand because despite the here's another little known fact: the, my worst. Are you going to bullet point it one, two, and three? Yes, I'm (laughs) going to. My worst, my worst class in college was computer science. Well, if there's anyone in our podcast listenership that can can send a macro person our way to to build this, that'd be great. Um, Yeah, or something. We we actually have a lot of uses for this type of stuff, and since we're oldsters with not much programming experience, um, or at least applicative programming experience why don't we move on you talk about okay Nintendo. whatever because uh, you were you were, you were set to babble and i didn't want to hear listen to it anymore you're being very very um <laughs> mean aggro today. i'll read yeah. this tweet then babble tech crunch nintendo acquires 
CG animation studio and renames it Nintendo Pictures. All right. Brandon, this, what are we thinking yeah, about? Yeah, this, this is interesting. So they um they Nintendo bought Dynamo Pictures. Um and you have we've talked a lot about this trend of video content being made out of video game IP. And nobody has better video game IP that with broad appeal than Nintendo does. And you're going to see a movie, I think it comes out, what, spring of 20? Chris Melendondre, Illumination, yeah. yeah. Right, Illumination. So that's NBCU, who is yep. also their partner on the theme parks, um, do a, uh, a Super Mario uh, movie. So, but Nintendo is probably like, why not try and it, exploit our own IP by ourselves um, and keep and keep the dollars plus having that kind of capability you could do cutscenes for games and a whole bunch of other stuff and obviously do some short form video to market which has been an effective way of marketing video games recently whether it's on youtube or other places on socials and the web so um interesting acquisition for the not generally aggressive beyond hardware formats uh company in nintendo so we got Jessica Tunkel, Scoop, activist investor, Elliot takes position in Pinterest. Um, we've been, this is not surprising at all. I mean, Pinterest obviously has gotten crushed. It was a horrible call that we've made on uh, on this stock. And it, it sort of seems ripe for takeover. It was that they were subject of takeover talks probably six months ago. I don't know whether Ben didn't want to do it. Now Ben's gone. They brought in new management. But we have long thought that Pinterest needs to be part of a larger company. I don't know whether that's Shopify or PayPal. There's lots of companies that sort of the transactional retail side of what Pinterest is capable of has never really materialized. You know, the shopping element is certainly a building and growing part of it. They've clearly brought in somebody. Microsoft, um, maybe? We'll see. I, I mean, and I think we talked other- about their ad ambitions yeah. earlier. Um, we know that they were interested at one point in acquiring TikTok. Um, I don't know what they could get done, especially in the wake of the Activision deal, but potentially another. I, I just think this is it, it is not surprising. It makes a tremendous amount of sense. And I think with Ben sort of pushed out of that CEO role, um, sort of, you know, whether it's strategic partnerships or MA, something feels imminent over the course of the coming year with Pinterest. I just can't imagine it sort of stays uh, the way it has been. I think it's probably the, the one name where I, I could actually see something happening strategically over the coming year in the, in the internet space. Um, let's just go to our last slide, which I thought like it happened just after we recorded our podcast last week. So we missed this news in talking about it, even though it happened on Friday. We always miss the Friday news dumps. But I way. know and, and this every, one, every time we record a podcast, there's major news that breaks directly after. I mean, it, it is it's one of those things where it's like there's never the right day to record. But yeah. in this case, we've got Elon. This is we had a um, thank you, Mark, From, for putting way, CNAT, 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 not owned by Paramount. Um, Elon Musk is terminating his forty four billion dollar deal to buy Twitter, saying the company failed to disclose information about spam accounts. Brett Taylor, uh, the chairman of the board, the Twitter board is committed to closing the transaction on the price and terms agreed upon with Mr. Musk and plans to pursue legal action to enforce the merger agreement. We're confident we will prevail in the Delaware Chancery Court, which is my background today is the Delaware Chancery team of um, chancellors. Um, But then the funny part of this was Elon or the not so funny part, Elon tweeted out a picture 
um, I guess more of a meme, I guess you would call this Brandon. And he starts off by saying, they said I couldn't buy Twitter. Then they wouldn't disclose bot information. Now they want to force me to buy Twitter in court. Now they have to disclose the bot info in court. And he's laughing. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, we'll just save that one. Um, yeah, I think we save that picture and we return to it because um, I think I, they actually. I, honestly, it seems like the best solution to this whole thing is if they settle on a larger than billion dollar breakup fee and just move on with uh, with their lives. I think I'd like that's to see probably it play out. Best I'd like to see the drama. Of it yeah, I mean, we, want, the best we, we want to see yeah. the drama play out, but you know, what's in the best interest of all parties, like a five, six, seven billion dollar um, fee. I mean, obviously, Twitter stock would go down pretty significantly. Um, the hearings on, on Tuesday, Brandon. So it's just going to happen quick. For the first one, by the way, as an yeah. aside, um, Elon got in a bit of a spat with former President Donald Trump. So now he's he's aggravated the Democrats. He's aggravated the Republicans. Brandon Carr is a, you know, I don't know. You, you also he also has something in front of the FCC right now, battling dish over 12 gigahertz spectrum, and he's pissed off both sides of the aisle. Probably not a brilliant thing to do, but I guess he doesn't get for a fuck. brilliant guy. He's not brilliant Whatever. at playing politics. <laughs> yeah, but, well, you know, that's yeah, I don't think he cares. I don't think he cares yeah. about politics. I think that's sort of the point, right? He was a Democrat. Now he's a Republican. I don't know. He, he doesn't point, have any actually either. But at some point you hit a decider. That decides whether it's the courts, whether it's the FCC, whoever it is. So that's fine. Like some things are sometimes out of one's control. Yeah, I think the challenge for Twitter as a company right now is just the this limbo. And, you know, good news is this is going to happen quickly in court. But the limbo just can't be good overall, given sort of, you know, from an employee standpoint, has to just be a mess. Poison, guys. It was a perfect I, I, song. I, I figured I kind of, I figured. Uh, and, I like this song too. And you're, and you're crazy. Also, it was kind of yeah. perfect for this discussion. Um, Walt, we got you done before eleven o'clock. Yeah, but he's not done yet. You know why? Why? It's the next chorus. Everyone has to sing along together. Yeah, that's true. Right? This is a sing along song. Come on, Rich. Give the spine a little tingle. Every rose has its thorn. <laughs> really in sync. Every night has its thorn. That's episode 115, everyone. For Cowboy sings its sad, sad song. Together now. Every rose has its thorn. We'll see you next week.